Remember, a Hallmark card when you care enough to send the very best. Tonight, from Hollywood, the makers of Hallmark greeting cards bring you Miss Ida Lupino in Gene Holloway's The Love Story of Elizabeth Barrett on the Hallmark Playhouse. Each week, Hallmark will bring you Hollywood's greatest stars in outstanding stories chosen by one of the world's best-known authors, the distinguished novelist, Mr. James Hilton. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. This is James Hilton. Tonight on our Hallmark Playhouse, we tell you by means of an original dramatization a story which is also one of the great love stories of all time. You've probably read and enjoyed, as I have, some of the writings of our two lovers, for Robert Browning is an imperishable name in literature, and so is that of the woman he loved, Elizabeth Barrett. But there's something else they contributed that the world will never forget, and that is the memory of a devotion as impassioned, as an inspiring, as life can show, as well as literature. This is what we tell tonight, the love story of Elizabeth Barrett, told against its background of Victorian London. And we are happy indeed to have with us to play the role of Elizabeth Barrett, that delightful and accomplished actress, Miss Ida Lupino. And now a word about Hallmark Cards from Frank Goss. Now Hallmark Playhouse, presenting the love story of Elizabeth Barrett, starring Miss Ida Lupino. London, the early 19th century. At 39, Elizabeth Barrett was already a poetess of some prestige, but also a bedridden invalid. Browning was 33, dashing, handsome, a poet of promise, if also of modest achievement. Both of them had had books published, and the lady on the couch and the man in his study read each other's poems, became interested in each other, and started a correspondence. What does Mr. Browning say in this letter, Elizabeth? Oh, he speaks once more of coming to call. Well, Elizabeth, don't you want to see him? Yes, I do, and I don't. Writing to him in his world from my world is one thing. Seeing him is quite another. Do you really think your worlds are so far apart? Oh, how can you ask? His world is sunlight, motion, activity. There's all of life still ahead for him. But I have already entered the shadows of my life. That's not true. Don't say that. I'm sorry. I don't mean to upset you, Henrietta. I'm just being realistic. It's a complete paradox. I want to meet him so much. But I suppose I'm, I'm afraid to meet him. Do you know what I think? I think you're in love with him. In love with him? Oh, that's ridiculous. How can you be in love with someone you've never seen? One more word from you like that, Henrietta. And I shall refuse ever to receive Mr. Browning. Oh, then I shall say no more, for that would be a great pity. Write him an answer now. I'll post it when I go to meet Papa. You are going to see him, aren't you, Elizabeth? Yes, I am going to see him. At last, I'm going to see him. I'm so glad. You had to meet someday, you know. Yes, we had to meet someday. I know.
You're staring at me, Mr. Browning. I'm sorry. It's hard not to. You see, these past few months I've wondered so about you. I've read your poetry and your letters, and I've tried to imagine what oh, my lady in the ivory tower was like. <laughs> well, I'm afraid I've never thought of this room as an ivory tower. Sometimes it seemed more like a prison. I've had to spend so much of my life here on this couch. I get dreadful cold, you know. I'd like to take you away from England. I'd like to take you to Italy where you could lie in the sun, drink red wine, and eat Italian bread and cheese. In no time, you'd be taking long walks in the mountains and dancing at the festival. Every day, I'd take you out in the fishing boats until your skin was brown and your eyes bright. And every night, I'd hire a donkey cart and take you up into the mountains to watch the moon rise. <laughs> Italy would be your kingdom, and I would be your slave. Oh, it sounds very tempting. It's a lovely dream, Mr. Browning. Shall I tell you something about my dreams, Miss Barrett? Please do. They have a way of coming true. Elizabeth, my dear, you have forgotten the time. You're already late for your nap. I'm sure Mr. Browning will excuse you. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll go at once. I, I hope I haven't tired you. Tired me. Mr. Browning, I not only feel exhilarated, I feel positively sunburned. <laughs> then may I come again? Next Tuesday. Oh, no, I'll promise not to overstay my time again, Mr. Barrett. I do not wish to appear ungracious, but Elizabeth's hold upon life is so very slight that we must guard and cherish it constantly. I understand, but may I come next Tuesday? If you don't, I shall be most disappointed. Good day, Mr. Browning. Good day, Mr. Browning. Good day, sir. Good day, Miss Barrett. Oh, Papa, isn't he attractive? Isn't he intelligent? Isn't he charming? You have a high collar. I trust you aren't feverish, my dear. Not a bit of it. I've just been out in the sun and the wind, that's all. Do you know what I did this afternoon, Papa? I stood in the prow of a little Italian fishing boat, and the wind blew back my hair, and my heart lifted to meet the wind, and for a little while I... I was away from this room, free of all pain, and happier than I have been in a long time. Elizabeth, if I did not know your age and your great common sense, I would say you were talking like a schoolgirl who has just lost her heart. What does age and common sense have to do with losing one's heart, Papa? Why, since you ask me, Elizabeth, I'd put it this way. Mr. Browning is on the threshold of his thirties. You are on the threshold of your forties. And the difference between those ages is the difference between youth and middle age. As for common sense, well, my dear, you are an invalid. As far as life and love are concerned, you must be an onlooker. <laughs> but here I am speaking as though there were something between you and Mr. Browning, which is ridiculous to begin with. Yes. Yes, isn't it? Elizabeth, my dear, are you crying? A little... Why? It was so lovely. Being young. Even for a few moments. It isn't fair. It isn't fair that I should be middle-aged and have had nothing. I want to get out of this room, Papa. I want to know what it's like to run. To run in the sunshine. I want to know what it's like to walk in the moonlight. I want to know what it's like to be kissed. Elizabeth, you don't know what you are saying. You are overtired and hysterical. 
You'd better take your nap. No, I'm not tired. I'm not going to take my nap. I'm going to write a letter to Mr. Brown. John! John Kenyon! I've got something to tell you. John Kenyon! Now, see here, Browning, this is a highly respectable neighborhood, and I don't intend to be thrown out of it, so kindly lower your voice. John, my dear fellow, would you mind if I kissed you on the cheek? I most certainly would. Why should you want to do a thing like that? You didn't get hit on your head on the way over here, did you? No! No, I'm in love. And I owe it all to you for helping me to meet Elizabeth Barrett. I'm going to marry her, John. Love? Well, you can't be serious. Elizabeth is an invalid and a recluse. And further, Edward Barrett has always said he would never permit any of his daughters to marry. Well, I am going to marry her. And it's going to be that marriage that never was before on land or sea. Oh, John, I knew it the moment I walked into her room today. And I think she knew it too. I'm so sure that I'm going to write her a letter right now and tell her exactly how I feel. She's... Oh, John, she's shut up in a castle, guarded by dragons and ogres. But I'll storm the castle and carry her off across my saddle. You're going to write that? Yes. She'll understand. She's my lady, and she'll understand. My dear Mr. Browning, you do not know what pain you give me in speaking so wildly. You have said some intemperate things, fancies which you must not say over again. You must forget at once and forever. They will die out between you and me alone, like a misprint between you and the printer. If there should be one word of answer attempted to this, or of reference, I must not, I will not see you again. a fool of yourself, didn't you? Yes, rather. Well, now perhaps you'll get down to your own work and forget about Miss Elizabeth Barrett. Oh, no. No. I told you I was going to marry her. When that lady burrows down through about 50 layers of conventions to her heart, she'll find my name is written across it, John. In the meantime, I'll wait. I, I will be the polite caller, the solicitor's friend. And I will answer this little letter of hers by saying that she completely misinterpreted my meaning. That uh, I was thinking of her as a poetess and a famous figure, not as a woman. <laughs> After all, John, who am I? Robert Browning to think of her in any other light. And then I shall say that I will call on her on Tuesday next and that I am obediently hers. It is therefore my considered opinion that the situation in English politics today is exceedingly grave and demands much study. Oh, yes, of course, I agree with you implicitly, Mr. Browning. Your letters this past week have certainly been mainly concerned with politics. It's a vital subject and the one thing that concerns me deeply at the moment. Quite right, Henrietta. Mr. Browning has had nothing whatever of a personal nature to say to me on his recent visits. His professions of love obviously meant very little. 
But you forbade him to say anything about love. Well, he has a mind of his own, hasn't he? I'm very glad I wrote him as I did. Very glad indeed. I have a new poem of yours that someone sent me in the mail, Mr. Browning. It's one you haven't shown me. The Lost Mistress. Sounds as though you were a little bitter when you wrote it. I was only as bitter as the lady who inspired it made me. I wish I knew the lady who inspired your poem, Mr. Browning. Obviously, she holds your heart. Perhaps someday you will meet her, Miss Barrett. Yes. Yes, I do hope so, Mr. Browning. Maybe I've been a conceited fool, John. Just because you hold your arms up to the stars doesn't mean that you can reach them, does it? Tonight, I think she doesn't love me. Tonight, I'm sure that she never will. John, I think it's time I was off to Italy, alone. Are you going to tell her? Yes. I'm going to write her that tonight. I'll see her only once more. To say goodbye. Oh, John, I shall miss her all the rest of my life. Well, Elizabeth, down in the library again, I see. Yes, Papa. I'm expecting Mr. Browning. Oh. Elizabeth, uh, you have been looking very peaked lately. I'm thinking of taking you on a trip to the shore. Perhaps if you stayed on your couch and rested, the sea air might help you. I don't think I care to go just now, Papa. Perhaps a little later on. Are you questioning my decisions, Elizabeth? I have decided you are to go, and that ends the matter. I'm not a child any longer, Papa. I think it's about time I made a decision now and then myself. Elizabeth, how dare you speak to your father in such a manner? You've become very unruly since Mr. Browning has been coming here. Leaving your room, going about the house at all hours, even out of doors, showing no regard for your health. I shall have to tell him that his presence is no longer welcome in this house. As long as I'm under this roof, he is welcome. And he is no longer welcome. I shall leave too. You have my decision, Elizabeth. And you have mine, Papa. In just a moment, we'll return to the second act of The Love Story of Elizabeth Barrett, starring Ida Lupino. And now here is the second act of The Love Story of Elizabeth Barrett, starring Miss Ida Lupino. There's something I must tell you. We may not be meeting for a time. I'm off to Italy in a week or so. Oh. Well, I shall miss you very much. These months have meant a great deal to me. I I've stopped being as much of an invalid since I've known you. 
I hope you'll be very happy. Has the lady of the poem relented, decided to be kind to you? I'm afraid the lady of the poem is beyond my reach forever. Oh, Elizabeth, is there nothing human about you at all? Are you nothing but the statue of a woman? The shell of a woman? Is there no fire to you, no warmth? Have you no heart at all? I have enough of a heart to be hurt. I have that much heart. Have you? I doubt it. Elizabeth, that first afternoon when I walked into your room and you smiled at me, something inside of me kindled into flames. I knew with a sureness beyond all doubt that you and I were meant to be together. I, I tried to tell you that, but your prim, corseted little mind wouldn't listen. You were offended, shocked, insulted. Oh, I, I should never have come into this house again. But I hoped that you would come to realize and feel the same thing that I was feeling. Well, obviously I expected too much. You aren't capable of love. You're just what you want to be. A pretty invalid, sitting by the window, waiting to die. Oh, you hate me. Be able to speak like that? No, I... No, I, I don't hate you. I, I feel sorry for you. Well, Miss Barrett? Doesn't seem to be much for me to say, Mr. Browning. Good day, Miss Barrett. Good day, Miss Browning. Here, browning all over the house. You made a pretty fool of yourself. You should be crying. That's not why I'm crying. I'm crying because I'm lonely. I'm crying because of a lot of things I didn't say. Oh, Papa. Papa, what shall I do? What can I do? You can return to your couch, to your books, to your tranquility. I'm going to take you away from London. Perhaps then you'll become again the daughter... I have always protected and cherished. You've forgotten these past few weeks. How much of an invalid you are. Yes. Yes, I have forgotten. Papa, I was in love with Mr. Barney. That was a rather naive fancy for a woman of your age, wasn't it, Elizabeth? Perhaps. I never thought of being older when I was with him. And thank heaven you're over those adolescent scenes now. They are hardly becoming to anyone... So close to 40. We'll have peace and order in the house again. You know now what you must do. Don't you, Elizabeth? Yes. Yes, I do know now what I must do, Papa. At last, I know what I must do. What do you want done with this package of letters, Robert? Oh, throw them in the fireplace, John. No. No. Throw them in the trunk. Your first idea was better. Why take your memories along with you? They're all I have. Someday I'll want to read them. Someday, a long time from now, when I can take them out and not care. When I, I can say quite casually... These were written by Elizabeth Barrett. She had almost everything a woman could have. Beauty, wit, charm, intelligence. But she had no heart. Or, at any rate, she had no heart for me. Oh, Robert, Robert. Um, see, see who that is, will you, John? I, I want to finish up here. All right. 
Elizabeth. Hello, John. Elizabeth. Is Robert here? Yes, he is. Come in, Elizabeth. Good morning, Robert. Uh, well, if, if you two don't mind, I've got to run along. A sudden appointment, I just remembered. Uh, my tailor, you know. Goodbye. Say <laughs> goodbye. Um, here, let me take your wrap, won't you? And, uh, won't you, won't you sit down? Thank you, I, I'd rather stand. I came because I had to speak to you before you left. And considering the manner of our parting, I didn't think you'd be calling again. I, I am, of course, very glad to see you. That goes without saying. When are you leaving? Next week. Robert, I may never see you again. And since I may never see you again, I felt... I feel that I must be honest with you. As you have been honest with me. After you had gone that very first day we met, I sat for hours writing you a letter. I tore it up. But I'll tell you what it said as nearly as I can remember. My dearest one, I, who have never written a love letter, am writing my first. You're gone now, and yet my room is full of you. I see you everywhere I turn. It seems that all my life, my heart has asked a question, and now at last, I know the answer. I've always been a cold thing, a poor excuse for a woman, and yet I believe that if you would but take my hand, I could follow you anywhere and be all things to you. Elizabeth. Oh, Robert, I don't know if you can forgive me for not saying this long ago, but you see, no one ever loved me before, and it's human nature to mistrust dreams that come true too suddenly. Oh, my dearest, dearest. You will marry me. You will go to Italy with me? Yes, I'll go with you, Robert. To Italy or to the ends of the world. Can you be ready to go next week? Next week? I, I don't know that so soon. No, we cannot be separated again. There's no telling what your father would do. No, we can't be separated again. Robert, I'll arrange to leave the house early Monday morning with my maid. If you'll make the arrangement, perhaps we can... Be married sometime in the forenoon. Oh, Elizabeth, you are everything I've ever asked of the earth. Darling, you are everything I've ever asked of heaven. I'm going for a walk, Papa. In just a short distance, my dear. You are not able to walk far, you know. Papa, come here. Let me kiss you goodbye. Well, I'll be here when you return from your walk, Elizabeth. You know, my dear, you're looking exceptionally attractive and young today. I am young today, Papa. I am young today. Goodbye, Papa. Goodbye. Here's the wharf, my darling. Let me help you out of the carriage. There. Here we go. Your back is turned on London and your dark years now, my darling. Yes. Yes, that's all behind me. The world, the whole wide world is opening in front of me. 
Shall I carry you over the threshold of the world, Mrs. Browning? No. I think I can walk. I'm sure I can walk. If I can just take your arm, Mr. Browning. Ida Lupino and James Hilton will return in a moment. In this hurly-burly age, one of the finest things you can do for a child is to teach him to be thoughtful of other people. It isn't always easy. But Hallmark Valentine kits for children offer you a pleasant way to teach your youngsters thoughtfulness. Hallmark make-your-own-Valentine kits contain red hearts, lacy panels, appealing decorations, everything needed. One kit with the makings of 16 Valentines costs only $1. Other make-your-own kits are as little as 50 cents. It will thrill your youngsters to send valentines they've made themselves to fond grandparents, to aunts and uncles, and their little friends. And giving such pleasure to others by the work of their own small hands will teach them in a wonderful way. So tomorrow, stop in at the friendly store where you buy Hallmark cards and ask to see Hallmark Make Your Own Valentines. Here again is James Hilton. Thank you, Ida Lupino, for bringing us such a fine performance of a story that fits this particular season so very well. It was a great pleasure for me, Mr. Hilton. And Ben Wright, thank you for your really fine performance as Robert Browning and to the rest of the cast. The story of the Brownings is one of those wonderful love stories that seem to get better each time they are told. And with Valentine's Day only a few days away, it's a very thoughtful choice. Certainly, Valentine's Day gives every one of us an opportunity to express our affection in some special way. And with your delightful Hallmark Valentines, there's every reason for remembering those we care for. That's very true, Miss Lupino. Again, thank you for joining us tonight, and I'm sure you'll want to be listening next week when we present Lincoln and the Baltimore Plot, starring Victor Jory. This is a little-known chapter in Abraham Lincoln's life as president, when he was forced to travel through the then-rebellious city of Baltimore. It's a true story, and one you'll find very exciting. Our Hallmark Playhouse is every Thursday. Our director-producer is Bill Gay. Our music is composed and conducted by Lynn Murray. And our fine script tonight was by Gene Holloway. Until next Thursday's end, this is Jane Pilton saying good night. Remember, Hallmark cards when you care enough to send the very best. Miss Ida Lupino has just finished directing the filmmaker's production of Never Fear, which is currently showing throughout the country. This is Frank Goss saying goodnight to you all until next week at the same time when James Hilton returns to present Victor Jory as Abraham Lincoln in Lincoln and the Baltimore Plot. And the week following, Edna Ferber's April 25th as usual. And the week after that, the autobiography of Will Rogers, edited by Donald Day, on the Hallmark Playhouse. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System.